This time next year, written and read by Liz Hines. 24th of November, Monday. The books I'd ordered from Book Club arrived today when I was at work. Mr Price brought them round when I was cooking tea. I'm still not used to cooking for one, so I invited him to join me. I couldn't ask for a more helpful and less interfering neighbour, but his style of over-dinner chat takes some getting used to. Tonight's consisted primarily of his recollections of his last hospital visit, after eating stew very like this one. I waited until he'd gone, after he'd watched EastEnders while eating the last of my chocky bickies, before opening my parcel. The books I'd ordered are The Latest Maeve Binchy, One on Making the Most of Your Garden by that lovely Irish fella on the telly, and How to Be a Goddess in the Kitchen. I'm sure that joining a book club can only have an effect for the good on my life. I've realised that I am now committed to buying one book a month for the next two years. But by choosing carefully, I can create a library that will serve me well for many years to come. Later. It seems that to make the most of my garden, I need half a ton of steel, some chicken wire and several large boulders. I already have most of that in the back garden, although perhaps not arranged quite as Seamus would like it. Still I'm well on the way to garden chic. I'm sure you must get round to mentioning the plants at some point. I'll continue reading from chapter 16 tomorrow. It turns out that the full title of the cookery book I ordered is How to be a goddess in the kitchen and a tart in the dining room. It promises a host of imaginative sexual techniques for every room in the house, using everyday items you'd never have dreamed of. It's true, I would never have dreamed of using two teaspoons and a balloon whisk in that way. I would have thought tablespoons would have been more appropriate, but then the only thing I've ever whisked to a peak has been egg white, and that went floppy shortly after. I'm surprised the book doesn't have a brown paper cover. I'm just glad Mr Price couldn't see what was in the parcel. At least I can't go wrong with Maeve Binchy. I've never read any of her books, but Bev assures me that she tells a good story. The front cover of this one shows a wholesome red-haired girl on a windswept promontory. A satisfying yarn. That's what I need to send me to sleep at night. Later in bed. I'd expected the book to be set in Ireland, but so far it's in New York. Still, there was a lot of Irish emigration to the States, so no doubt all will become clear as I progress. 25th of November. The book is not what I expected from what Bev has told me of Maeve Binchy's writings. I assume the girl on the cover is the woman in the story who is using her supernatural powers for her own evil purposes. 26th of November. I told Muriel I am reading the new Maeve Binchy and that it isn't what I expected. Muriel hasn't read it, but thinks she can recall an article in the Daily Mail in which the author said she had been urged by her publishers to change her style, as it was no longer suitable for today's audience. Muriel said she thought Ms Binchy had refused, but maybe the pressure on her was too great. I'm not really a good judge, as this is my first, but I can't help thinking she should have stuck to family saga romances. 
27th of November. I phoned Bev. She has read this book and thinks it is one of Maeve's bests. And no, her style hasn't changed at all. Well, I certainly won't be reading any more of hers. However, Bev does want to borrow How to Be a Goddess in the Kitchen. Early hours of the morning in bed. I've just woken from a nightmare involving a woman who looked like Brian's bimbo, only with red hair, who was, by the sheer force of her will, making cups and plates fly at me. They were my best cups and plates too. Then Mum appeared, saying in an Irish accent, You should never judge a potato by its onion. I'm tempted to stop reading the book, but I only have three chapters left to go, and I'm determined to discover the Irish connection. 29th of November, Saturday. Pippa and Bev came round for the evening. When Bev arrived, I plonked the book down on the table in front of her and said, Some friend you are recommending this. I've hardly slept since I started it. I told you you wouldn't be able to put it down, didn't I? Not put it down. It was an effort making myself pick it up. What do you mean? It's really scary. I've been having nightmares and I still don't get the Irish connection. What? I know you're a bit of a wimp, Alice, but I can't see how a story about a woman's search for her roots can be terrifying, even to you. Pippa had picked up the book and was flicking through it. Just a minute, she said. Then she burst out laughing. Oh, Alice, a new idiot, you've been reading Stephen King. Don't be silly, Pippa. I wouldn't read a Stephen King. He really is much too scary. But you have, look. She held up the title page of the book for me to see. There in big letters was his name. But, but, how? You know what's happened, don't you? Pippa went on. They've accidentally put a Maeve Binchy dust jacket on a Stephen King book and you didn't notice. Oh, Alison, you're priceless. Tears were rolling down her face and Bev, who'd taken a closer look at the book, started laughing too. When they both calmed down, I said... I suppose that was why there was nothing obviously Irish about it. I don't know why that made them laugh even more. Before she went, Bev offered to lend me a real Maeve Binchy in exchange for my goddess book, but I told her she'd have to wait. After Stephen King, kitchen erotica will make a pleasant nighttime read. Later in bed. I've noticed that I seem to be making people laugh a lot these days. I wonder if I've missed my vocation in life. I could have been a stand-up comedian, a raconteur like Victoria Wood. All she does is tell stories about what people do in real life. I could relate a tale of me reading Stephen King thinking it was Maeve Binchy. But the thing about Victoria Wood comedy is that it is believable. I don't think anyone would believe my Stephen King Maeve Binchy story. 1st of December, Monday. I've decided I will be organised regarding Christmas this year. I don't want a repeat of last year, although I'm still convinced Mum told me that Dad wanted a Barry male voice choir record. It took me a lot of effort to get one, so it was rather unkind of Mum to point out my mistake so loudly and so often on Christmas Day. Dad didn't seem too disappointed, though, not getting the Barry Manilow CD, Mum insisted she had told me to get. But I'm going to double-check everything this year and as a start I shall make a list. Things to do. 
Buy, write and post cards. Buy, wrap and deliver presents. Stock up on food. Buy extra drinks just in case. Buy and decorate tree. Order turkey. It's rather worrying that everything on the list involves spending money. But still, it is Christmas. I can't be a Scrooge. At least I don't have to put up with Brian moaning. 3rd of December, Wednesday. Great Aunt Millie phoned this evening, and she was rather more lucid than usual. She asked when I was collecting her for Christmas and said she was glad she was staying with me this year, as she has never liked my mother anyway. That came as news to me, as did the fact, rather more importantly, that she is staying with me for Christmas. I told her that I would let her know when to be ready closer to the date. She has already packed her bags. To distract her, I asked her if there are many exciting things happening at the home. She told me that the matron is a man dressed as a woman and that the doctor drinks meths. I hope both of these details are figments of her mind. I called Mum to confirm that Auntie Millie was staying with her as usual. Oh, Alison, you are getting forgetful. I told you your father and I are spending Christmas Day with Jeff, and as we're all coming to you on Boxing Day, it seemed more sensible that she should stay with you this year, rather than muddle her about too much. You know how confused she gets. I'm beginning to think Auntie Millie is not the only one with that problem. I seem to have lost huge chunks of my life. I can't remember agreeing to have Auntie Millie, or come to that everyone for lunch on Boxing Day, and I said as much to Mum. She said, What's the least you can do when poor Tricia is feeding us on Christmas Day? Oh, we're invited too, are we? No, dear, don't be awkward, you know what I mean. All I know is that if I know poor Tricia, she'll have everything brought in from M&S ready prepared. But I'm not upset. I will lay on a truly magnificent spread, all done by my fair hands that will put Tricia to shame. In fact, I'll start planning now. Later. According to Delia, my Christmas cake should be nicely maturing by now, having been made in October. I don't suppose two months will make that much difference. In fact, it'll probably be better for not having to undergo such a lengthy ageing process. I would be. 4th of December. I'm going with Stefan and Nick to see the local amateur dramatic company in Annie Get Your Gun. Stefan used to be very big in Amdram, till he split up with his boyfriend, who was enjoying his role as the leading man too much. I haven't been to an amateur production for years. Not since we saw the village players in Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat and the pyramid collapsed on the brothers. Brian wouldn't go again after that. Said he'd laughed enough to last a lifetime. It wasn't very nice of him, really, as one of the brothers was in plaster for months. I don't expect things have improved much. Still, it is a night out, and I don't get many of those these days. Later. 11.17 precisely. I have been thrown out of a pub. Thrown out of a pub for the first time in my life. Me! I called Chloe to tell her she was shocked. Really, Mum, you should know better at your age. Are you drunk? Most certainly not. Maybe a teensy bit merry, but definitely not drunk. I was only drinking cocktails, and there's hardly any alcohol in those. They're all fruit juice. Or is that punch? Anyway, I am not drunk. If I was drunk, I would not be able to tell the time so accurately. And what's my age got to do with it? I've raised a prude. 
I will disown her and will adopt Stefan and Nick instead. They know how to have fun. They love me. We all had sex on the beach. Annie Get Your Gun was wonderful, marvellous singing, and the scenery didn't fall down. And we only got thrown out of the pub because me and Stefan were singing Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better. We might have got away with it if Stefan hadn't insisted on singing Annie's part. Although he has a lovely voice, and I told him so as they walked me home. You should go back to Amdram, Steffi. Be an asset. You have such a beautiful voice. Oh, I'd love to say the same to you, darling, but I can't. I've heard more tuneful hippopotamuses. Hippopotamuses? We all fell about screeching. I bumped into a lamppost, tripped over the curb and sat at the gutter, still laughing. Nick and Stefan leaned against each other, giggling helplessly. I'd probably still be there if a knight in a shiny Macintosh hadn't stopped to help me. Sir Galahad, I called him, and I kissed him twice. Shame about the hiccup in the middle, but it was only a quiet one he probably didn't notice. Stefan was jealous, said he wished he'd fallen down so my knight would have helped him too. The knight looked very familiar. I'm sure I've seen him before, but I can't remember where. Spectre will come back to me. Sleepy buys now. Night, night, night. Ha, 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 good joke. Must remember that one to tell Stefan and Nick. 5th of December. I must be going down with flu. I have a terrible headache and have taken four paracetamol. I don't know or care if this constitutes an overdose. I must stop thinking about death. It's starting to become attractive. Hope these pills take effect soon. The phone rang in work at ten past nine. Good morning, Davis and Davis, financial advisers. Ah, oh, you are in. I wasn't expecting this response and I couldn't think of an appropriate reply. It's David, David Davis. Yes, I know. You do sound in a bad way. I'm sorry, did you call for a reason or was it just to annoy me? I was just wondering how you're feeling today. I'm very well, thank you. As long as I don't move too much or try to think. No bruises or a ha um, a headache? An electrical connection clicked in my brain and a cold shiver trilled its way down to my toes, followed by a hot flush to my face and a galloping pulse. Hello? Hello? Alison, are you still there? I took a deep breath. I'm afraid I have to go now. I um, I have to answer the phone. Thank you for calling. Goodbye. Bugger, 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 bugger. Look, he's even making me swear now and I never swear. Well, hardly ever and not out loud anyway. My night. It had to be, of course. Isn't that always the way? I feel like Greta Garbo. Of all the pavements in all the world. Or was that Humphrey Bogart?